0: And on this week's show we look at the race to be president of the Confederation of African Football with South African Patrice Motsepe, one of the continent's richest men, among those challenging the current president, Ahmad. Also we have lots on women's football as the Kasafa Women's Championship has featured three of Africa's top players. We hear from one of them, Zambia striker Barbara Banda.
1: I scored, uh, I came out there as a top scholar. But it's not by myself, it's uh, the hardworking and the team, because on my own I can't play.
0: It's coming later and we have Stuart on the request for a return to five substitutes in the English Premier League. So round three and round four of the 2021 Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers are on over the next few days. We'll be talking about the games on next week's show. It has been a challenge for some countries to get hold of their best players, and travel arrangements have been tricky for some, but the qualifiers had to go on. Some will edge closer to an appearance at the delayed finals in Cameroon in 2022. Uh, So lots on those games on next week's show. Well, besides the qualifiers, another big story in African football this week is the race to be president of the Confederation of African Football opening up with five men now in the race. Current President Ahmed appeared to have the backing of 46 of the 54 African federations recently, but his position looks far from secure now, as South African Patrice Motsepe, one of the continent's richest men, has submitted his name, along with seasoned administrator Jacques Numa of Ivory Coast, plus the head of the Mauritanian Federation, Ahmed Yaya, and Senegal's Augustin Senghor, also a likely contender. The elections are on next March. Well, Ida, Motsepes' entrance into the contest really catches the eye. He got the necessary backing of SAFA, the South African Football Association. He's the owner and chairman of 2016 African Champions Mamelodi Sundowns. He's a billionaire, but it does take more than that to succeed in the politics of African football, doesn't it?
2: Indeed, it does, Steve, but the money aspect is definitely one that can't be ignored either. Though the detail that stood out the most, at least for me, in Safa's statement endorsing Motspe, is his quote-unquote business acumen that African football must translate into business revenue to improve its standing globally. And I don't think Motsepes' expertise there is debatable, you know. And while Ahmad's candidacy has reportedly been backed by well over 40 federations, Motsepes does seem to slowly be gaining traction as well. You know, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Sierra Leone most notably Nigeria, have come out to endorse the South African billionaire. And I think that was just the final nail on the coffin, Steve, in um, CAF President Ahmad and NFF President Amaju Penix strained relationship that, of course, took a nosedive at the 2019 Afghan. As for Jacques Anouma, of the Ivory Coast Football Federation. Well, he had already confirmed his candidacy prior to the Motsepi announcement. He'll be giving it a second go after his dramatic failed attempt, uh, back in 2013. The top seat, Steve, in African football, in turn, does come with a position of FIFA vice president. So quite a powerful seat it is. And there's also Senegal's Augustin Senghor and uh, Mauritania's Ahmed Yaya. Now, he was voted best football administrator, that being Yaya, at the 2017 CAF awards. He is wildly popular back home. And uh, FIFA president Gianni Infantino, Steve, has been known to have a few kind words for him as well.
0: Yes, it's a strong field. So how do you see it panning out, Ida, with the elections four months away?
2: Well, I'm tracking back to just how dramatic the 2017 CAF General Assembly was, you know, with Issa Hayatu ousted by his only opponent, Ahmad. But Steve, 2021 might be even more so with five men running for the top seat. You know, I was wondering, has the CAF presidential seat ever had five candidates gunning for it? And thinking that if it has, then that has to go even further back than Hayatu's 29-year and to seem as decade and a half in power. Although it's not yet a done deal for Ahmad, Steve. His deal, his controversial deal with a tactical steel still haunting him to date. Remember, he was found guilty by the FIFA Ethics Committee, is awaiting punishment. And if sanctioned, he could be banned from football altogether. And that would include these elections. Steve, I mean, this whole situation is absolutely nuts. The 2021 CAF Elective General Assembly next March will uh, certainly be one for the books.
0: Yes, we haven't seen a race as competitive uh, as this before. Asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week, who would you support uh, for CAF president? Uh, So the current president, Ahmad, has a strong challenge. He appeared to have the backing of 46 of the 54 African federations recently, but his position looks far from secure now, with South Africa's Patrice Motspe, perhaps the leading contender, but also there the seasoned administrator, Jacques Anouma of Ivory Coast. uh, Britania's Ahmed Yaya, who won the CAF Administrator of the Year Award in twenty seventeen there too, and Senegal's Augustin Senghor, another contender. So who would you support to be the CAF president? We'd love to hear your thoughts on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero and are always great to hear from you. Now to women's football, and the Kasafa Women's Championship ends in South Africa this weekend, with the hosts playing Botswana in the final on Saturday. The Southern African tournament is usually something of a developmental competition. This time, though, it's featured three of Africa's top female players. That's Zambia's Barbara Banda and Malawian sisters Tabitha and Temwa Chawenga. All three play in the Chinese Women's Super League, and in the season that ended last month, Barbara Banda was the top scorer, with 18 goals for Shanghai Shengli, who finished third. Temwak Chowenga was the second top scorer, with nine goals for the champions Wuhan, and Tabitha Chowenga was fourth on the scoring charts, with seven goals for Jiangsu Suning. Now, Barbara Bander has helped Zambia to qualify for the women's football tournament at the Olympics for the first time. She spoke to Nick Sed of the Kasava podcast first about the season in China. Yeah,
1: it has been an amazing season, though it has been hard with the pandemic of coronavirus. But all oh, we did our best. We came out at third, the, the league and we still want to bounce back uh, come the, the next season. We are trying to do our best so that we can carry out uh, the link. I scored, uh, I came out there as a top scholar, but it's not by myself. It's uh, the hard working and the team, because on my own I can't play. So I'm glad to the team and uh, the abilities that I had to put on and the effort for me to become the top scholar.
3: And just talking about your, your evolution as a player, how did you get into start playing football and, uh, and where did you start off in Zambia?
1: Yeah, my career started, I, I started my, my football career when I was at a very tender age, but I think it's the focus and uh, the encouragement from my parents to encourage me more so that they can be where I am. I, they supported me very well throughout my career, that's why I'm here with my discipline. I really thank for my family, for the support and everything.
4: Yeah. And you were in Spain as well, I believe. Yeah. yeah. How, how was that experience?
1: Yeah, I got a good experience in Spain, the good, uh, good football, good league, and everything.
3: Playing at this Casapo, now back in the national team, obviously the Olympics, hopefully next year in Tokyo, you must be very happy to be back at this level.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a good thing that we qualified for Tokyo, and uh, we are aiming to go there as a team with uh, good uh, respons- responsibilities of the team and the country at large very excited because it's my first time and it will be the first uh, I played the the World Cup at the junior level that was under 17 but I think Olympics again is another big tournament so it's a great achievement for the team and everyone it was not an easy thing to qualify because where we've come from all the teams we played with, they were a very strong team and we never underrated any team so it's the determination and the hard working of the team that made us to be where we are now
0: going to talk That's Zambia striker Barbara Banda speaking to Nick Sed of the Kasafa Podcast at the Kasafa Women's Championship in South Africa. Uh, well, Ida, women 's football looking pretty strong in southern Africa right now.
2: Looking very strong, Steve. And you know, the Kosafa Women's Championship has been running concurrently with the Kosafa Women's Under 17 tournament. So, you know, that is game time. It's experience plus exposure for both the senior and the junior women's teams. And Steve, I think that is extremely commendable, especially in a year like this. And it does seem that in sub-Saharan Africa, at least, well, the southern region, as you've put it, is really giving women's football a shot. And, you know, in a year where the women's game has been so, so ignored. In the north, for example, there was the UNAF tournament in Tunisia. That was before effects of COVID-19 just stopped almost everything. And uh, Morocco won that one. And Steve, we've already talked at length about all the amazing things that the Moroccan kingdom is doing for women's football there. So, you know, I won't really get into that again. Uh, but a special shout out to Tanzania for their focus on the women's game. They played out their league to Completion, uh, despite the COVID-19 situation, they were invited to the UNAF tournament, um, earlier in the year and now the Kosafa senior and under 17 championships. And, uh, their junior team, Steve, has made the final of the Kosafa under 17. Aisha Masaka, tremendous contribution from her, scoring eight goals for Tanzania even before the final. And Steve, another honorable mention has to go to Ghana, who have organized for their senior and their under-20 women's teams to play their Moroccan counterparts in a two-leg friendly later on in November. Looking at Zambia, well, uh, they might have been bundled out by Botswana in the Kosafa Women's Championship semis, but between this and qualifying for maiden Olympics last year, Steve, the Copper Queens are definitely on a positive trajectory. As for the likes of Banda and the Chawinga sisters, well, kudos to them. And of course, the general hope is that their exemplary performances in Asia may help them find clubs in Europe where they can really, really cement themselves in much more competitive leagues. I mean, we've seen what that has done for the careers of uh, Assisa Toshoala, Tembi Katlana and so many others in the past.
0: Yes, yeah, so some positives in women's football this year, but the biggest disappointment was the 2020 Africa Women's Cup of Nations being called off by CAF and the decision to not reschedule it. There was no host country after Congo Brazzaville had pulled out, and CAF had said that the Women's Champions League to be launched next year will give some sort of compensation. Now, Fran Hilton-Smith is an iconic figure in African women's football. She's South African and has been involved in the game for four decades. She's a FIFA coaching instructor, a former player, the first female coach of the South Africa women's team. Also, she's been the Banyana Banyana team manager before. She won a Lifetime Achievement Award at the South Africa Football Association Awards last November, and she's a match commissioner at the Kasafa Women's Championships. Well, Fran told the Casafa podcast that the absence of the Women's Nations Cup this year is a big blow, and that lack of tournaments is making it hard for African countries to catch up with the likes of the USA, Germany, and Sweden.
5: I think the big problem still is and has always been is that African teams don't compete enough, um, and now it's, there's more woes added to that uh, statement because CAF uh, have cancelled the upcoming African Women Cup of Nations. It should take place every two years. Every fourth year, it's a World Cup qualifier. But now they've cancelled the next one. And that's really detrimental to African teams because many of them I've discovered along my path, when there isn't a competition, they disband um, and only come together again when there's a competition. And, That's why um, African teams just never seem to get into the top 10. And I firmly believe it's because they don't compete enough um, as a team throughout the year. So I think the only solution which we have followed is to put as many players overseas competing. So when they come back to the national team, they're competitive.
0: That's South African Fran Hilton-Smith, not happy with the cancellation of this year's Africa Women's Cup of Nations, saying that more games are needed for African female players for the continent to fulfil its potential. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart with some fascinating facts on penalties in the English Premier League. You can follow us on Twitter at PlanetsportFA, and our website is planetsport.tv. Recently added there, we have a blog called Justice, Fairness, and the Free Gift of Forgiveness. You can go to our website, planetsport.tv, and click on the blog section to find it. The website again, planetsport.tv. What's well, your social media now? And on last week's show, at that stage, Liverpool had gone to the top of the English Premier League table. Tottenham had moved up to third, although they're currently second now. And we asked whether you think they can be serious title contenders. Well, Spurs last won the league in 1961, but with Gareth Bale now fit and with manager Jose Mourinho famous for doing well in his second season at clubs, we asked, do you think that they are serious contenders or do you think they'll be fighting for a top four place rather than the title itself? Here with your reaction is a Planet Sport Football Africa's Ifrem Tagu.
4: Uh, Thanks, Steve. And we start with uh, Mustafa Jalo in the Gambia. Uh, Tottenham are not serious contenders to win the Premier League because they are inconsistent and they will fall behind as the league progresses. And uh, Sylvester, who is also in the Gambia, agrees. Well, in my opinion, Spurs are not good enough when the going gets tough, says Sylvester. So Mustafa and Sylvester are not very positive about Tottenham's chances of winning the title. And that uh, same view is shared by several of our other correspondents this week, who nevertheless can still see a positive outcome for Mourinho's side this season. Richard Deco Ababio in Ghana says, Jose Mourinho can't win the league, but Spurs will fight for the top four. And uh, Ismaila Saidi in the Gambia agrees, Indeed, I think Spurs would be fighting for a top four finish rather than being a title contender, says Ismaila. Uh, Jose's managerial skills and style is outdated now. For example, using mind games towards his opponents can't work anymore in the present generation of football. Marvellous Olarewaju Abubakar in Nigeria also agrees. I don't see them as title contenders because their squad still lacks the depth necessary to contest for the title, says Marvellous. At least a top-four finish is a better option for them for this season we turn now to lamin sonko in the gambia in my opinion says lamin Tottenham are not serious title contenders seeing the nature of their performances since the resumption of the english premier league until today their performance was never an eye-catching one despite reaching third place on the table but notwithstanding that until i'm proven otherwise and because the season is still young We should remember that Mourinho is Mourinho. He is the special one and he has shown that he can turn things around during his second season at any club he's been to and hopefully history can repeat itself. But I still say that Tottenham are not title contenders as of now. Afrida Vienda Okachi is in Kenya and uh, brings a slightly different perspective on the same theme. It's just too early to say that Tottenham will win the league or even remain in the top three, says Frida. Jose is a good manager, but when Tottenham lose one, two or three games in a row, uh, the furious Mourinho will forget what to do. Arinaitwe Emmy in Uganda says just beginning from that amazing West Ham comeback I think Tottenham make little mistakes that can't make them title contenders but they can compete for the top four anyway. Uh, yes Arinaitwe referring there to the incredible game when Spurs went 3 nil up against uh, West Ham in the first 16 minutes only to be pegged back when the Hammers scored three late goals to snatch a point. And we always welcome your voice notes here on Planet Sport Football Africa. And here's Manchester United supporter, Alimani Fofana in the Gambia.
3: Oh yes, of course, if the
4: players are doing well, like what they do when the threshold sticks, if they continue to play like that, as with the Unity. But, hmm, you know, Premier League is very difficult. Sometimes you see them doing well in the first round, in second round, see them not doing well. Let's see how it goes. Meanwhile, Ecclesiastes in Uganda turned the tables and asked us a question. Do you mean winning the English Premier League title or the Europa League, he asked. Well, yes, that's a fair question. We meant the English Premier League title. And Ecclesiastes continues, yes, Spurs are contenders for the English Premier League. There's still a long way for them to go. However, anything is possible in football, especially in the English Premier League. Mwenda Zambre in Zambia agrees. I think Spurs are one of the favourites to win their title this season, says Mwenda. They look determined in every game and that shows that they have targets. To win the title, you need to beat the top teams. And they have already beaten Manchester United in the league and knocked out Chelsea in the Carabao Cup. These are signs of hard work. And finally, Al-Hajji in the Gambia is in no doubt at all. For me, I believe they will be crowned champions, says Al-Hajji. I love Son, Ndombele, Sisoko, Hoiberg and King Harry Kane. So then, Steve, some of our correspondents saying that uh, Tottenham have no chance at all and a few others believing they will win the title. But the majority view, by far, is that uh, they won't win the title but have a great chance of finishing inside the top four and playing Champions League football next season.
0: Thanks, Ephraim. That's Ephraim Tagu. Thanks for all of those comments. And, uh, well, I say if it's not Liverpool or Man City for the title, then it could be Tottenham, uh, but we'll see. Let's go to our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK to talk more about the English Premier League. So as we go into this international break, still this strange look to the table. Leicester now top on 18 points. Tottenham second on 17. Liverpool third also on 17. Southampton 16 in fourth. And then we have Chelsea on 15 points. Aston Villa in sixth on 15. Manchester City way down in tenth on 12 points. Arsenal are 11th. Also on 12, Manchester United on 10 points are down in 14th place. <laughs> what do you make of this, Stuart?
3: Well, Steve, the top of the Premier League is certainly not dull this season. With games spread out over three days last weekend, we had the remarkable situation of Liverpool top of the league before the fixtures, Southampton going top with the win on Friday night, then Tottenham won Sunday lunchtime to take them top of the table but only for two hours until Leicester's Sunday afternoon win over Wolves took them to the top. That's four different league leaders over one weekend. My goodness me, it's as complicated as the American presidential election. The issue is whether because of games being played without spectators or for whatever reason, it seems that just about any team can beat any other team and that home advantage doesn't count for very much. Take Southampton who lost their first two games of the season. Then, after five wins and a draw, they're top of the table. And last week, we praised Arsenal for their win at Manchester United, wondering if they'd turned the corner, commending the balance of their team. Then, the following weekend, they lose 3-0 at home to Aston Villa, and honestly, it could have been 6-0. Manchester United, on the other hand, followed that defeat to Arsenal, and a dismal Champions League performance midweek, with a 3-1 win at Everton. And of course, Everton were top of the league until they lost three games in a row. Then there's newly promoted Leeds United, who drew with Manchester City and were unlucky to lose 4-3 to Liverpool. But then they go and win 3-0 at Aston Villa, before losing 4-1 to Leicester City and even to Crystal Palace. So, It seems that no team is able to put together a consistent run of games and that any team can beat any other. It's going to be a fascinating season, Steve.
0: Yes, it's been quite remarkable so far. And uh, Stuart, some English Premier League managers are asking for five substitutes to be allowed again, as was the case at the end of last season. Uh, There are concerns that the schedule is so packed that it's leading to players getting injured and being allowed five substitutions would allow players to rest a bit more.
3: Yes, some Premier League managers are asking to be allowed to use five subs again, as they were during the last lockdown. There are concerns that the schedule is so congested that it's causing injuries and being allowed five substitutions would allow players more rest. Two concerns were actually raised last week about the demands on players. Manchester United and Tottenham both found themselves playing European ties away in midweek and then playing a lunchtime kickoff two and a half days later. Even Jürgen Klopp, who wasn't involved, made a point of saying it was ridiculous and had to stop and the television should not be allowed to insist that games be played on lunchtime on Saturday involving clubs that have played late midweek. And as well as that, several managers have spoken out about reintroducing the five substitutions. Now, there's a website, premierinjuries.com, and that gives details of 94 Premier League players who are currently injured, with 33 new injuries reported in November. Crystal Palace are the worst affected with a first team player being unavailable to play 50 times this season through injury. Now, the reasons why there are more injuries is that because the gap between last season and this season is shorter than normal, it means that players, first of all, didn't get the normal amount of rest and they weren't able to do the normal amount of fitness training and conditioning that they would do pre-season, and as a result, they are more susceptible to injury. Add to that that the season starting later means that more games have to be fitted into a shorter space of time. And the problem is generally worse for clubs who are playing in Europe midweek, as well as Premier League at weekends. I mean, some clubs effectively have two separate teams. There was only one outfield player who started for Arsenal in the Europa League on Thursday, and also started the Premier League game on Sunday. Several leagues in Europe are currently allowing five substitutes, but the argument against it is that it assists the bigger clubs with the bigger squads. So Jürgen Klopp has proposed a creative solution, saying that it mainly affects clubs in Europe, so if two clubs who are still in Europe are playing each other, they should be allowed five substitutes in that game, A strange thing I noticed was that when Manchester City played Liverpool last Sunday, City only used one substitute and Liverpool only two.
0: (laughs) Well, that's ironic. Uh, What else have you got for us, Stuart?
3: Steve, Kevin De Bruyne shot wide with a penalty for Manchester City against Liverpool. And that's only the second time he's missed a penalty in six seasons for City. And also... It's the first time since 2018 that a Premier League player has missed the goal completely from the penalty spot. And the previous culprit, Riyad Mahrez, who shot over the bar. And still on penalties, Leicester City were awarded two penalties in the first half against Wolves. Jimmy Vardy took both, scoring the first, but having the second one saved by Rui Patricio. And Patricio now has saved three of the last six penalties that he's faced. Leicester's last eight penalties have come in their last eight games. But to find eight penalties awarded to Burnley, you have to go back 137 games. The goal scorers in Crystal Palace's 4-1 win over Leeds United were A for IU, B for Bamford, C for Costa, D for Dan and E for Eze. So there you are, Steve. I've given you the A, B, C, D and E of the goals. Now, we talked about Edouard Monde, Chelsea's new goalkeeper from Senegal, and he conceded a goal last Saturday against Sheffield United, the first goal in the Premier League he conceded in 375 minutes of Premier League action. Finally, I wonder, Steve, if you saw Adamoli Lukban's penalty for Fulham against West Ham. He attempted the so-called Panenka penalty, you know, a little chip down the middle of the goal, but rather uh, sent it straight to the goalkeeper instead. This led to speculation on social media as to whether this was the worst ever penalty in the Premier League. Some said it reminded them of Pat Nevin's woeful attempt for Chelsea years ago. Nevin very sportingly responded by dismissing Lukman's attempt and saying that his penalty attempt definitely remains the worst ever in the Premier League. Good old Pat Nevin.
0: Well, that one must have been really bad. So no English Premier League this weekend, as it's an international window. All the best to your team if they're involved in Africa. Cup of Nations qualifiers will be reviewing the games with Ida on next week's show. That's it for this week, though. So from me, Steve Vickers, and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.